Welcome to Supply Chain Connections. I'm Brian Glick, founder and CEO at Chain.io. On this episode, we're going to do something very interesting. We're going to talk about how to resurrect a fallen giant. Our guest today is Chris Jamras, who is the executive chairman and CEO at Roadrunner and Ascent Global Logistics. Since we recently had somebody from Ascent on the show with Mauro, and you can go back and listen to the previous episodes, we're going to spend today talking about Roadrunner. As a little bit of background to this, and we, we, we touch on it in the show, Chris joined Roadrunner at a very difficult time in their history, and we're going to learn quite a bit about what it takes to approach a company that may be at the end of the road, no pun intended, and bring them forward into the future. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, let's just start with a little bit of background. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the industry and why. It's a bit of a convoluted path. Right? It's, uh, I'm a, an immigrant from Poland. I you know, ran away from home when I was uh, 15, nearly 16. And then through France, England, Canada, and I found that end up in my beloved United States, which has always been a dream of mine. And uh, since then, I started in investment banking with you know, some sort of uh, mainstream firms. And then incidentally, as a banker, I was asked by one of our clients, investment banking clients, whose company was kind of in a bit of a technical bankruptcy to see if I could step away from being an advisor and consultant and actually be an honest operator. And he kind of, uh, he paved the path to an honest uh, way to make a living, as he phrased it. And I walked in and, you know, from having a corner office on the you know top floor of one of a AAA buildings in Toronto. I'm managing a franchise, uh, a major franchise of investment banking. I worked, then I got an office tucked in at the mezzanine level of a warehouse overlooking, you know, a bunch of armored trucks and then P&D routes. And that's how my adventure with logistics started, turning around armored truck businesses and then becoming effectively a logistician. So... I've seen executives who go in and they'll do a turnaround, they'll do a fix up, and then they just end up doing another one in a completely different industry. And they see they they don't care about what business they're in, but you've stayed in this space. So what was interesting to you? What made you stick around in logistics? I remember in in my undergrad, there was a visiting professor who came and asked if, if anybody knew what logistics meant. And obviously, being a keen student I was, I raised the hands. Like, it's the ability to think logically. <laughs> and he said, well, funny you should say that because actually it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> it's the uh, out of moving freight. And I was most confounded. I just couldn't understand, like, how? Like, this makes no sense. And I think I kind of found my niche. And this is number seven. The Roadrunner is number seven on my resume. All of them were sort of uh, uh, wounded puppies to a certain degree. And I've developed this sentiment and love for aspect of movement. I, you know, I'm a, kind of a high energy person myself. I love the kinetic energy and movement freight, and I'm fascinated. And I've always been fascinated, like why and how those things that, you know, some, you find a textile in Far East that you want to use in a factory somewhere and then produce and sell it in the market far, far away. And how all that complex supply chain gets executed and how many things can go horribly wrong along the way. It's been sort of a bit of a passion of mine for the last you know, decade and a half. Well, as someone else who's been in the industry a long time, I'll tell you that behind every shipment that arrives is a million mistakes that were made along the way every single time. So 
I get it. I think we all get excited about the same thing. Well said. You said you, you like wounded puppies, but some might argue that this last one was more like a dying bear than a wounded puppy. Why would you... For those people who don't know Roadrunner, when Chris Joyne is uh, coming off of the back of, of, let's say, some very tumultuous times, why would you take on that challenge? Listen, first of all, as I mentioned to... How insane are you? <laughs> that's a very fair question. So first of all, you know, I'm a Polish guy in Chicago and Roadrunner in Chicago and it's trucking. So that's a part for the course. Number two, I think the most famous last words any Polak says before they die is, you think I can't do it? Hold my beer. <laughs> so this is how I got roped into this. It definitely was the most challenging turnaround I've ever done in my life. And this, as I mentioned, this is number seven, and all of them required some sort of divine intervention to assure successful well-being in the past. So this has been particularly humbling. I've never seen anything as broken across every part of the organization, every functional area, any vertical, every layer. But what I did see was just an immense, unbreakable spirit of the people. And I saw the relevance of the LTL industry, which is, I have to admit, is unlike anything I've ever seen before. I couldn't believe that you could inflict so many wounds upon yourself, virtually alienate the entire customer base, insult everyone with your service, and yet have customers come in every day and entrust you with the cargo. So the need and the relevance of the LTL space was just so profoundly visible to me that I thought this business and definitely the people deserve the chance to give it ourselves the best shot and see what we can make out of it. And at the end of the day, I never believe it's the people's fault it's always the leadership failure. So I think we fixed that. And, you know, we've been busy for the last three years, my gosh. So when you come in and everything's broken, and I'm sure even though those people are great, their spirit probably wasn't that high, kind of where do you start? Like, how did you start thinking about fixing it? Well, Roadrunner was a sort of a, a roll-up blow-up, as uh, David Ross at that time of Stiefel, um, Nicholas told me that, you know, he said, like, Chris, if you touch it and it uh, lives for another 60 days, that's about 30 days more than anybody would give it. <laughs> and, you know, it was... You look at the very complex structure of mergers and acquisitions and predominantly acquisitions that have not been merged in any way, shape, or form. And you start paying attention to, you know, what is the core of the business? And, you know, you're very familiar with Ascent, and Ascent was nothing but a group of sort of 3PL look-like logistics businesses that we sort of piled up together and we spun out as a private business that since then, as you know, has been extremely successful. And then we started looking at an appealing of the layer and the layer and the layer of businesses that may have been acquired that just didn't belong with the LTL premise. And we wanted, I wanted really, my vision was to get to the pure LTL play and just say, okay, if this is that remarkable LTL business. And by the way, I didn't really know what LTL meant at that time. Now I do, which means less than likely to go perfect. <laughs> and then since then, we got to the course. It's just stripping like the layer for layer of paint by divesting furniture, assessing businesses, and getting to the core of what it is, which is, you know, that direct trucking business point to point, which is kind of amazing. And that in itself, which was not an easy process, took us nearly nine, 10 months to get to the bottom. It just, it gave the breath of fresh air to business because there was no further distractions and people can focus on what Roadrunner used to do very well, which was, you know, transport freight in a very trustworthy and confident fashion. So 
I don't want to turn this into a Roadrunner commercial, but I am curious to ask this question. So you peel everything back and now you've got this LTL core. What did you guys look at and say, and this is why Roadrunner is the LTL company that people should move their freight with? Like what became, what's the value prop after you take all that other stuff away? You know, there was an interim, Brian, and, and that step was going to the customers, going internally to people and asking, okay, what do you think we do here stupidly? And boy, did they, <laughs> did they give us a list. <laughs> and when we look at the list and we scrutinize these items and we kind of set aside exactly what we're doing, you just, we couldn't be doing this in the worst possible way that we were. And we started to sort of untangle the mess. We were no longer breaking down pallets because that's somebody along the the way I thought that would be a great idea to increase cube utilization, you know, by breaking down pallet freight. And, you know, customers love that when they give you a pallet and they just can find it scarcely, you know, across 15 terminals, across two countries and so forth. So we kind of started undoing the mistakes and empowering the people who have been in the fabric of the DNA of the company for, you know, in many instances for decades. And they did remember the original premise of the business. And then, you know, we started investing in upgrading our talent and building processes and in creating feedback loops and saying, okay, what went wrong this time? And we've gone through a lot of this and customers have patiently borne with us through these. And, you know, it's just always about building the processes, driving accountability and kind of trying to see, you know, listening to the people, listening to your customers and they will tell you what they wanted to do, and they will definitely be very vocal about things they do not want you to do. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine getting up and on that listening tour every day and, and hearing it was probably emotionally not the easiest thing in the world to oh, do. Oh, I've no, heard yeah. it all. I've heard it all. I've walked into any classroom. The, the, the two years was just basically sitting out being yelled at. But, you know, it comes with the territory, right? If you own it, the business, the way we do, which we do own it in a kind of uh, both psychological and economic sense. You do want to listen and you do want to take responsibility because a lot of customers always will bet on an underdog. They will bet, they will favor a fallen angel as long as they feel that there is a real sense of contrition, if there is a sense of uh, you know commitment to get better, and it's not just an empty promise and you know it's not another wind bag of, you know, hey, under new administration this time, this soup will not make you sick. And if you kind of commit to systemic improvements, if you commit to making things. And to us, it was, you know, you asked me a direct question, what is the value proposition? That was to see the point of, you know, a bit of an underserved market, right? You have, you know, first of all, it's a market that has not experienced a new entrant in the last 35 years, 36 years this year, with some, you know, incredible barriers to entry, which are, you know, a little bit tough to comprehend for a newcomer like I was. Because at the end of the day, I thought it's just, well, you just have a truck. It's a lot more complicated than that. It's a cost prohibitive to try to replicate the national footprint of connection terminals. But at the end of the day, you do have a number of phenomenally well-run carriers who offer regional, national service, and etc. But what we did notice that even the best-in-class people, they do not connect the points, different points in the country directly. What they do, they, they route the freight through a very well-executed network of uh, hubs and spokes and through a shuttle service. And that is great, and people do it extremely well, but it does not necessarily serve folks who needed that kind of direct, you know, straight shoot connectivity from L.A. to Chicago, L.A. to New York, Seattle to Atlanta, and so forth. And in this business, as we now know, less than likely for everything to go perfect, what you do have every time 
the forklift touches that pallet or the pallet needs to traverse that through that 125 feet of crosstalk, something goes wrong. <laughs> and if you reduce those number of handles and repackaging and rehandles, you reduce the risk of freight being damaged or things going missing, etc. That's what defined the Roadrunner. This is what was our go-to-market strategy. Go with us. We're going to do it directly. We're going to run teams. We're going to run nonstop. You're not going to have a hub and spoke. And you know, if you want to get from LA to Chicago in one day, give it to us on Friday. We're going to have it at your point of delivery by Monday morning. And that's effectively what we committed to. We continue to execute and gradually overcome the skepticism and the hesitation from the customers have all heard it before. They all have seen numerous executives stand in front of them promising the different things, but the commitment to that, you know, the sense of contrition and commitment to systemic uh, data-driven processes and strict execution, I think that's what's kind of winning for us in the market. You just said the word data in front of a tech CEO, so now I have to ask. I would imagine that when you apply a different model, the tech in the marketplace probably doesn't fit very well then. What have you guys had to do on the tech front to make this real? So it's funny because for a sub-segment of the broader industry, right, when you think about LTL being, I don't know, like 10% of the truckload industry or so, you would imagine that, you know, whatever the players or carriers do within that narrow band market, it would be very similar. <clears throat> no, every carrier <laughs> is distinctly different. And if you try to apply a lesson that may have worked beautifully at X to a carrier Y, well, then you're going to be standing and there's going to be a beautifully mushroom-shaped cloud brewing behind your back because it would have ended up in tears. So you're correct. You're absolutely correct. There's no off-the-shelf solutions. There is nothing that can be standardized. You know, this is such an archaic industry. My good Lord, people still deliver a piece of paper. And, you know, there's this big push towards electronification of the bill of lading. You just imagine, you know, just the low tech of the low tech of industry. So what we did, we brought in a bit of a psychopath with a strong background in artificial intelligence, working with NASA, working with utility companies to reinforcing the American energy grid through utilization of artificial intelligence. And I saddled him in the seat of head of technology and operations, and I asked him to fix it. Now, he's my younger brother, so there was an ulterior motive to put him there. So you don't like him very much. <laughs> um, I do love him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been waiting for an opportunity to get back in for a long time. And it came in the form of a beautiful roadrunner. So he effectively started to build everything internally. We also engage a lot of partners, right? And looked at uh, certain systems that may have been used successfully by our carriers with a very high degree of customization. We've developed uh, our own machine learning algorithms to an extent also the artificial intelligence, which, you know, feeds off, you know, statistically viable data sets. So we're kind of feeding this as much data as we can as we increase the volume of our business and the scope of our and breadth of our reach with customers. And so we kind of really looked at things that really mattered. So first we built the processes because technology in itself is not a solution, right? It's just if you have a poorly orchestrated process or none of it at all, you're going to just make things go wrong a lot faster with no manual intervention. So you always set out and say, oh, I want to reduce the labor intensity of the task. Well, sometimes that labor intensity is your safety net. And if you get rid of yourself of that, then you can wake up to a lot of disasters. So we avoided that, but we focus on designing processes. We look at the enhancing enablement 
And the throughput efficiency of these processes, we put our dock automation across our network. So we put dock scanning across. And first of all, there was just a bit of the catch up to the best in class. This was nothing particularly innovative. It was just huge difference for Roadrunner, which was still kind of completely paper-based model when we inherited. And then subsequently, we went to kind of getting stuff that is a lot more sexy and such as, you know, creating our whole now app, which is, you know, by functionality, ranks and beats Uber Freight app, and it provides, you know, our drivers with everything they need to do with self-dispatching, with picking out the lanes they want to run and seeing how much they're going to make, effectively just having full documentation, the complete, you know, business office of a trucker on the road in the palm of the hand. And that was probably the most significant one from pure technology perspective, but then, you know, reinforcing a lot of things from, you know, cybersecurity that we all have to be vigilant about it and we know the stakes there and everything else that includes, you know, that we can start executing things like, you know, today's announcement of guaranteed service and ability to kind of, you know, route parallel services and deal with any claims that, you know, hopefully we won't have any, but, you know, if it needs to, to be fairly effective. So a lot of sort of first, you know, catching up and then kind of focusing things. And, you know, the one thing that we are the most proud of now is our RouteMax dispatch software that's being, you know, rolled out nationwide. And we effectively shaving, you know, gazillions of man hours of manual planning of uh, pickup and delivery routes doing this through algorithmic functionality. So a lot of exciting stuff. When you took over Roadrunner, there was too much stuff, too many acquisitions, all of this noise. You get it down to the core there's always a temptation when you're being successful to then go start getting bloated again. Everyone has a new idea, right? Rates are down now, but when rates are up, everybody's a genius, right? And everybody wants to go have a new idea. Let's go buy that. Let's go expand. Oh, well, we can do this. Why don't we just buy an airline, right? Like all these kind of things. How do you guys maintain that discipline to not end up back as a kind of bloated monster? I think the wounds have not quite healed yet. You know, the scars are still fresh. The humility is profound. The customers do remind us, you know, that we're always as good as the last piece of freight movement that we have executed. You know, I always say that everybody loves to pick Old Dominion because they're just such a phenomenal operator. But, you know, nobody gets fired for hiring Old Dominion, right? All the meaning could, you know, probably mess up, you know, hundreds of freight moves and, you know, will be met with just, a, you know, people shrug it off. We mess up once. I mean, this is just escalation all the way to my inbox within, you know, 15 milliseconds. So I think that we need to have the benefit of time pass. I think we sort of the sense of mishaps past needs to fully recycle. I think we are kind of one full economic freight cycle away from getting a fear of arrogance kind of walking in or overjoyed of creativity to be muddling our kind of crisp grip on the reality that we collectively have today. So that's a question I sort of like to ask everybody, which is, if you could fix something industry-wide as opposed to inside your company, what's the thing that is holding us all back, in your opinion? I think that would be the technology. I think it's even electronification of the bill of lading, which is, you know, there's this holy grail that uh, all eyes are pinned on that and kind of understanding that we are all parts of a supply chain that provides room for just anybody to be as good as we all want to be. You know, there's obviously this little 
petty competitiveness urges that I see at times flare up. And it's such a wonderful industry, but with limitations that we have, it's just why can't we just get on well together and collaborate and put a collective intellectual horsepower to the benefit of the customer for you know simplification of doing business with us as a collective. And you know, there's some very notable initiatives right now through the Digital Council, and we obviously are passionate about that. But it's just you know what I think is missing is that kind of a win-win mentality and orientation that is just you know that we could be part of the tide that raises all the boats. And you know, it's quite inspiring to me, particularly as a newcomer who has never been burdened by decades and decades of rivalry and some historical context, etc. And maybe I'm oversimplifying that, but I truly believe that working together as an industry on kind of fixing certain idiosities could benefit customers and kind of simplify and not necessarily complex and complicated supply chain. Awesome. And I guess counter side to that or the other side, what has you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The sense of the momentum that we've built and we accelerating. You know, today for Roadrunner to offer guaranteed service. Who would have thought, who would have thought, you know, when I go back to all the folks who kind of were wide-eyed when I announced that, you know, Roadrunner is the new station or the new home base, who would have thought that the company would ever be functional or capable of delivering service, forget about on time, but guaranteeing and in a way that it's a full guarantee, right? It's like if we do something, we do it uh, like we mean it, right? It's like if we don't deliver, it's not just a little thing that you get back, you just move your freight for free with us. So. Those kind of things and opening the new markets and seeing partners come up to us and asking us to help them and join forces in opening new markets and new lanes and new customers calling us and say, well, wow, you know, three years ago, I was a never roadrunner and now I'm becoming your ambassador. Those things are just so positive because you see the momentum, you see the positive change, you see that people are walking taller around the office and becoming an I'm not the only one wearing the Roadrunner branded garment, the corporate propaganda. You see the folks kind of, you know, just proudly displaying the Roadrunner logo, the new logo, which is fantastic. And on the social media posts on the weekends, you kind of see that we're winning the battles for the hearts and minds of our own employee cohort. We're winning the customer battle. We're getting better. It's just exciting stuff for logisticians like me who like to think logically. <laughs> That's how you got me fired up enough that I'm about to go open up another browser tab and then go apply for a job. So we'll still have to see what's out there for me. I don't know how qualified I am anymore to actually do real work, but we'll see what we can figure oh, out. Oh, you're too kind. Again, it's a pleasure having you on. And you know, we'll put the links to Roadrunner and all the details and the announcement in the show notes. And again, just thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight to be your guest today. Thank you. Thanks so much to Chris for sharing all of that insight. You know, it's not common in this industry to be able to talk to someone who is so open and obviously passionate about what they're doing. And you know, wish Chris and Roadrunner all the best. We'll have some links in the show notes to the announcement on their product offering as well as to Roadrunner in general. And look forward to speaking with you next time on Supply Chain Connections. Mm-hmm.